Hey, this is Mark Butler. This is the Mark Butler Show, and you are listening to episode 14. And this week I want to talk about debt. Uh, it's funny because in my my full-time business, I'm a freelance CFO, but I rarely feel the desire to talk about money. Uh, maybe it's because I'm too close to it all the time. I'm dealing with everybody else's money, looking at budgets all the time, crunching numbers all the time. So maybe I get kind of bored with it. I don't know, but I don't, I don't, I haven't yet really felt the desire to talk much about money on this podcast, but I listened to a book over the last couple of weeks that was recommended by a client, and I really enjoyed the book, and it sparked some old ideas that I've, I've had for a long time, and then hearing some of those same ideas on this book kind of crystallized them for me and, and made me want to talk about them. And the book, by the way, is called Killing Sacred Cows by Garrett Gunderson. He's a guy who happens to be local to me. He's in Salt Lake City, so maybe I need to go crash his office and say hello and tell him I enjoyed his book, but... Killing Sacred Cows, Garrett talks a lot about different sort of financial dogma that we all get taught, that we all read in financial books, that we hear on the radio, and he challenges some of these ideas and says they deserve closer examination. He makes a great case for why a lot of these sort of sacred cows of finance need to just be thrown out the window, but he also says here's a framework to help you evaluate whether any financial opportunity, whether any financial habit is actually in your best interest. And I thought that was one of the strongest parts of the book was where he teaches this framework for deciding whether or not financial advice that you're hearing, including his, is actually a good fit for your values, for your situation. So I I do recommend the book. He's an entertaining guy, so I think you'll enjoy it. But I want to talk about debt because near the end of his book, he talks about debt And he reminded me of some of my experiences, and he reminded me of some of the feelings I've had about debt for a long time now. So to get into my feelings about debt, we got to tell some stories first. So let's go back to 2008. And in 2008, if you remember, this is right around the time that George W. Bush's presidency is ending. Barack Obama's about to be elected. We're having this financial crisis that was that was brought on by the all the mortgage situation from kind of 2000. Five, six, seven, all of that mess is happening right then. Well, that happened to be right when I'd quit my high paying sales job to start a business with my business partner, Court, that you've heard me talk about before if you've listened to the episode about my $50,000 per month membership site, for example. And right then is when Court and I had, well, Court was already self employed. I was leaving my full time job and we were going to partner up and we were going to sell coaching where we taught people how to make money online and create these products and all these great things. Well, I had never been a saver. I had never really been a very thoughtful money manager. So even though I'd been earning really good income between 2004 and 2008, I didn't really have any savings. So I'm quitting my high salary job to go be self-employed, and I don't really have any savings. And then right as Court and I are getting ramped up, we have this major bump in the road in our business. Our business at the time was completely dependent on search engine traffic. That was our thing. We were good at SEO, especially Court was great at SEO. And we got all of the traffic, all the contacts in our business really came through the search engines. And it was also part of our brand that we were the search engine experts. Well, right around late summer 2008, something happened with our main website, the the website that got us most of our leads, and Google penalized our site. So all the search engine traffic we'd been getting and all the leads that that traffic had been giving us was gone kind of overnight. And so we're in a situation where I've just left my high-paying job and we don't really have any income, we don't really have any savings, but good news, we have these credit cards. So for the latter part of 2008, as Court and I were kind of figuring out our next move, and I had a mortgage and I had a wife and a baby and I had bills and I had car payments because at this point in my life, really, if there was debt to be had, I wanted it. I had car payments and house payments, student loan payments, and 
I had all kinds of payments. Well, and I also needed to buy groceries and other things like that. So during that late 2008 period, I ended up in about, I think it was about $20,000 in credit card debt. In early 2009, Court and I created the program that would eventually morph into the membership website that I talked about in episode five of this podcast. So from early 2009 on through the rest of 2009, and then especially 2010, 2011, and 2012, income got really good. So going from a period of high uncertainty and low income in late 2008 through 2010, 11, 12, things got really good financially. But I started that period of time by taking on about $20,000 in credit card debt. And I got to tell you that as I took on that debt in late 2008 and it ended up in about $20,000 worth of credit card debt, it didn't stress me out very much in the moment. I was so focused and so determined to succeed as a self-employed person. And I was so sure that I was going to end up making not just my six-figure income that I'd given up by leaving my high-salary job, but I was so sure that I was going to make millions and millions of dollars. I was young and full of energy and, and more confident than I deserved to be. And so as I swiped that credit card, it never occurred to me like, oh, this could end up in bankruptcy. I, I, there was no way in my mind I was going to end up in bankruptcy because I was sure that I was destined, along with my business partner, because I had a ton of confidence in him, I was sure that we were destined to make tons of money. So the idea that going into $20,000 in credit card debt, I mean, it, didn't even, it didn't even phase me. And then the income got really good. And in about 2010, I kind of got tired of all the debt that I had, and it did start to weigh on me. So between 2010, early 2010, and kind of mid-2011, as my income was really, really good, I paid off about $90,000 in debt over that 18-month period because I'd borrowed for cars and I'd borrowed for, I had this credit card debt and I had all this other stuff. And also in that period, my wife and I had adopted our second, second child, our daughter, we'd adopted. And that was $40,000. And that all went into debt too, because as my income grew, I still didn't save very much of it. So when it was time to adopt a baby, I had to borrow that money also. Right about then was when I thought, you know, I'm kind of sick of being a borrower and I'm kind of embarrassed by not preparing myself financially for some of these big moments like this adoption. And I'm going to be done with this debt. And I just went after the debt. It felt really, really good to write a check every 15th of the month. I had it on a calendar. Every 15th of the month, here are all the bills I'm going to pay. And it was like $4,500 worth of debt payments every month to, to accelerate the elimination of all this debt. And like I said, about 18 months later, a huge amount of debt had been paid off. And that felt amazing. And that is the kind of thing that personal finance pundits and culture celebrates. You know, Dave Ramsey, who I think is a brilliant marketer, a brilliant businessman, and, and also does a lot of good in the world, he has built this empire on accelerated debt elimination. He's known for other things too. You know, he's known for, for being a business leader and for mentoring entrepreneurs and he has investment strategies that a lot of people say are pretty suspect, but he also advises people on how to you know, prepare for retirement. But his main thing is sort of attacking and eliminating debt, right? And that's what I did for those 18 months. So I was the kind of person that, that Dave Ramsey fans would look at in that moment and they would say, you did it. You paid off your debt. But here's what might surprise you. It did feel good to eliminate that debt. 
And that was also kind of a line in the sand moment for me, where from then on, I haven't gone back into consumer debt. So since about mid-2012, I don't remember ever carrying a, a balance on a credit card. I haven't financed any new cars. Uh, I've just sort of stopped borrowing for, cons- for consumer purposes. And, and I'm happy about that. And when I look back on paying off all that debt, there's a big part of me that says, yeah, good job, dude. You paid off a bunch of debt. You focused, you set a goal, you went after it, you accomplished your goal. Part of me looks back and says, that was the wrong goal. So how can I say that it was the wrong goal to pay off the $90,000 worth of debt that I did pay off? I'm not saying it was a bad goal. I'm saying there, would, there could have been better goals. I could have thrown that energy into other areas that would have paid off in bigger and better ways than in the elimination of the debt. So let me give you some more background and let me talk about what I mean by that. Because I think that debt has become sensationalized. It, we've, got, we've got too much emotion. We've got too much shame around the idea of debt. And we've got a, a culture, thanks to great people like Dave Ramsey, who talk so much about the evils of debt and hurrying up to get out of debt, that we've got a, a real culture of shame built up around having any kind of loan balances in your life. And I think it's gone to the point where people have stopped dis- distinguishing between uh, productive debt. Garrett Gunderson in this book, Killing Sacred Cows, he, co- he talks about having productive liabilities. It's a really interesting section of the book where he says, really, in your life, you want to have as many productive liabilities as you possibly can because they improve your cash flow. So the easiest and most obvious example of a productive liability, of course, is like a mortgage on a rental property. That's an oversimplification, but the idea is I borrow the money, I buy the rental property, I get some cash flow out of that property. And, and Garrett's point is you want as much of that as you can possibly get. But if you have a hypersensitivity to the idea of having any debt whatsoever, that gets in the way of your ability to go create productive liabilities. In other words, to go borrow money productively. So we have to step back and we have to say, okay, well, what, what actually is debt? Debt is just a tool. Another way to think about that is that you're renting the money. So let's say that I'm going to do a, a project in my backyard. I'm going to build a fence in my backyard. And that fence is going to have 20 posts. That's how long the fence is. So I've got to put 20 posts in and, and build a fence in between those posts, right? I can dig that hole by hand. And I can use a post hole digger where you shove it down to the ground. You kind of scissor the dirt out, toss the dirt out. I can do it that way. I can dig that, those holes with the post hole digger. Or I can go to the tool rental shop and I can rent what's called like a, an auger kind of thing where it's like a giant drill bit that you drill a hole in the ground and you just drill it down, drill it out, the hole's done, put the post in. It takes five minutes instead of 45 minutes, for example. By renting this motorized hole digging thing, I have taken my productivity and increased it 500% or 1,000%. So I rented the tool. I paid, I paid for the ability to use that tool. When I was finished with the tool, I gave it back. The rental company got to keep the money that I paid them, but what I got was all the time and energy that I did not spend digging those holes. That's all that you're doing when you're borrowing money. You're renting the money in hopes that it will save you time and save you energy in achieving a specific goal. Now, the reason debt gets a bad rap 
is, is because people go rent money and they use the rented money to buy boats. Well, see, I, I should even be careful here because I don't care if you buy a boat. But what people tend to do is they, they take borrowed money and they use it for consumption. And, and that's where I can say from experience that using borrowed money for consumption, not ideal. Probably doesn't accelerate you toward your real goals, probably moves you farther away from your real goals. If you're just renting money and using that rented money for consumption, like boats and cars. And, and that's not always true. There are situations where even, you know, uh, borrowing money to buy a car it does increase your personal productivity. So I'm not dogmatic about these things, but this is where you'd want to pause and you'd want to say, I'm renting this money for a specific purpose. Does that specific purpose carry me closer to my real goals that are aligned with my real values and with what I feel like I, I need and want to be doing in the world? If the borrowed money does accelerate that, then borrowing that money is not just a good idea. Not borrowing the money is dumb. Not borrowing the money is is moving further from your goal on purpose or slowing your progress toward the goal on purpose. So rather than saying dogmatically, I'm never going to borrow money ever again. Because I'm a kind of person where, uh, I can't remember, five years ago, I actually took a survey that was put out by Debtors Anonymous, which is sort of the borrower's version of Alcoholics Anonymous. I took their survey that was sort of like, hey, if you say yes to enough of these questions, you're probably addicted to debt. You're probably a chronic borrower that maybe can't control himself. I'm pretty sure I failed. I'm pretty sure I qualified as an, as an addicted borrower. I can't remember. But if I were to take that and say, okay, well, I'm obviously, I cannot handle borrowed money. Therefore, I will never borrow money for anything ever again. I don't think that's sensible. I think what makes more sense is becoming a person who can look at all the opportunities in front of him or her and say, as I look at this opportunity, I could accelerate toward this opportunity if I borrowed some money to make it happen. And then you question all the assumptions that you have around that project and around that goal, and you don't rush into it. You go slow enough that you can say, am I borrowing this money with a clear head? for valid reasons? And if so, then you just borrow the money. You have to. It is the, it's the rational choice once you've thought through it completely. So I'm, I'm very open to borrowing money. I've seen my clients borrow money in extremely productive ways. Other times I've seen my clients borrow money extremely unproductively. Maybe I should talk about that for a second, what, what I've seen. I've noticed in myself as I'm working with clients I've noticed that when certain clients tell me they're going to borrow money, I feel somewhere between neutral and excited. And then when other clients tell me they're going to borrow money, I feel this dread. So then I have to ask myself, well, why, why is that? I'm the same person. Why do I feel enthusiasm about one person borrowing and dread about another person borrowing? What, what's going on there? So I sat back one time and I really thought through this and I realized that the client that I was excited to see borrowing, all she was doing was taking all the energy and enthusiasm and focus that she was applying in a winning way inside of her business. And she was accelerating it by renting some money. And on the other hand, when I've had clients who told me, tell me they're going to borrow money and I feel this dread about it, 
I realized that it's because in many cases, it's been that they were taking borrowed money and applying it to a business where their energy was low, their focus wasn't great, their confidence was not high. And they were looking at the borrowed money as sort of a rescue vehicle, sort of, I got to borrow some money so I can cover these bills. So it's really the difference between seeing debt as something to bail me out and seeing debt as something to accelerate what's already working. So I have, I have some clients now that when we talk and they say, well, you know, I'd like to accelerate a little bit, I actually will tell them, you need to borrow more money. Let's, let's pump more money into this machine because we have clear data that supports that if we can pump more money into this machine, we're just going to accelerate and create more and more and more profit. We're never doing it recklessly. We're never borrowing beyond what we could repay if everything were to go horribly wrong. But there's really no evidence that anything will go horribly wrong because all we're doing is taking a winning formula and just going faster with it by using borrowed money. Not only do I think it's a good idea, but I think that not doing that would be the irrational choice. So if you've, you've ever considered, if you ever thought about borrowing money to start or to accelerate your business, I would just ask you a few questions. Number one is, why are you borrowing that money? Are you borrowing it to accelerate what's already working? Or are you borrowing it with a rescue mentality, a bailout mentality to get you through a tight spot? When I put $20,000 on my credit cards in late 2008, I didn't have a bailout mindset. I didn't have a rescue mindset. I had a mindset of, I know that we're going to be successful and this money is buying me the time I need to create that success. I'm not saying it was impossible for me to fail. I could still have failed. I could still have ended up in bankruptcy and really amazing people experience bankruptcy. All I'm saying is my mindset as I was borrowing that money was that really nothing was going to stop me from creating the success that I was after. So borrowing $20,000 seemed inconsequential. So you really have to look at your confidence level, your energy level, your focus, and you have to look at whether you're applying that borrowed money to what's already winning or using borrowed money to rescue what appears to be failing. This is the same reason that when people ask me, I've got this opportunity to work with this amazing coach, it's going to be X thousand dollars. X could be 5,000. X could be 55,000. In both cases, they'll ask me, you know, I would have to put it on a credit card. What do you think? And my answer is completely dependent on the person that I'm talking to. Because if I can look at her last several months or even couple of years of output, effort, revenue, growth, and I can say, yeah, there's momentum here. I think you should borrow $55,000 to accelerate this thing. Or if I look at their past couple of years, and this is the fourth time that they've wanted to hire an expensive coach to rescue their business, and they already have twenty dollars or $30,000 on credit cards, and after going through those expensive programs or building the beautiful website or whatever it is, they didn't change their personal output, their energy level, then I'd say, no, I don't think you should put $5,000 or $500 on a credit card because you are the obstacle to that borrowed money being productive. 
So I think what we all need to do is increase our personal output, increase our energy, figure out our winning formula, and then apply every penny that we possibly can to the momentum in our business and in our life, including money that we borrow, including other people's money or Visa's money or American Express's money or the bank's money. If we can get our hands on it, we include that money in the acceleration of that business. And of course, I'm not saying to do it recklessly. You know I'm not saying that. Have a plan for paying that off. Have a clear financial model that you're following to say, as my revenue goes up, my, I'm going to decrease my debt or here's how, I'm going to, here's how I'm going to handle that debt so that it never becomes a problem and so that it never introduces unmanageable risk into my life. You have to come up with your own plan for that. But as you think through that and as you make that plan, then it's irrational to not borrow money just because of someone else's dogma about borrowing money or because of your own fear about borrowing money. What I find really interesting about myself is when I compare uh, 2017 Mark to 2008 Mark, 2008 Mark was just pretty sure he could do literally anything, make billions of dollars. It, it didn't matter. I, just, I had just enough of that youthful arrogance that there was kind of nothing that could get in my way in my mind. I had a family. My kids were young. Fast forward to 2017, two kids. Kids are older. My family's more entrenched in our life and in our lifestyle. I've got neighbors that I know well. And as I've talked with my wife, just last night we were talking about this, and I was saying, you know, there are things that I'd like to do in my business that I could accelerate with some debt. I'm freaked out by the idea these days. What happened to me? How did I used to be such a gunslinger in 2008? And in 2017, I'm, I'm sitting here wringing my hands and hemming and hawing and, oh, I don't know. I said, you know, I really think it comes down to this. I don't have any real fear of bankruptcy because I know that I can hustle and I can scramble and I can pay off a debt balance if I have to. I've done it before to the tune of $90,000. So I'm not really that worried about being bankrupt. I'm not really worried about losing my house. That's not, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to let that happen. So what I had to admit to myself and to my wife, and she laughed, was that I'm afraid to accelerate my business with borrowed money. Because if I fail, I will look like a loser to my friends and neighbors. Can you believe that? Isn't it interesting that, that what should be a purely financial decision based on my plans and, and the intensity that I'm willing to pursue those plans with, that the thing that's actually getting in the way of that is not logic, reason, math. It's fear of looking dumb. It's that I've built, or in my mind, I've built a persona that my friends, family, neighbors can look at and say, oh, Mark is fine. He's got things figured out. He's super smart you know, whatever Mark does works out. But as I think about introducing just a little bit of managed risk into my business and saying, I'm going to borrow just a little bit of money and I'm going to see if I can make this thing go faster. The real obstacle is just my fear of being exposed as a fraud or a failure. That's silly. I mean, I'm not down on myself about it. It's, it's just an honest feeling that I think you just, you need to tackle. You need to be honest about it and say, okay, I'm not going to let that be the reason I slow down. It just happens that when it comes to debt, our own insecurities, our own fears, the own, our, you know, our own crappy thinking happens to be validated by conventional wisdom. So when I say, well, I'm not going to borrow money, I can look at 
Dave Ramsey and all of Dave Ramsey's fans. It's not fair to put them all quite in such a tight box, but you see my point. And I can look at them and I can, I can say, that whole tribe of people is patting me on the back for not going into debt. When my dirty little secret is, I'm just using their dogma to hide from my fear. Kind of interesting, right? Are you doing something like that? Maybe you're not doing it with money. Maybe you're not doing it with debt. But are you doing something like that? I know that I have been and I intend to stop because I have so much evidence in my life and in my friends' lives that wise borrowing that accelerates intense focus and energy has a high probability of paying off well. It still has a probability of crashing and burning. That's fine. In fact, maybe the best story to finish with here today is the story of another friend of mine. I won't give any details about him. Uh, But in that same period of time, in 2008, he and I worked together at our high-salary jobs. We both left at the same time. He went to start a a different company. I went to start my company. His company was much more capital-intensive. He told me once that he had to borrow, I won't say the amount, it's not not mine to share, he had to borrow an amount of money that just flat out terrifies me just to open the doors of his business. So before he could ever even make a sale, he had a massive loan balance, what I consider a massive loan balance. And before his business finally got to a tipping point where it could completely cash flow itself, which by the way came seven or eight years later, he had borrowed, well, much, much more. Okay, let's just put it that way. A lot more. An amount of money that many of us will never borrow in our lifetimes. He started in 2008 when the world was falling apart completely. And people close to him said, if you try to start a business, especially this business in this climate, you will go bankrupt. But he borrowed the money. He used that money to accelerate his intensity, his focus. And now he's created a business that, uh, well, he's just doing very, very well. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> he's, doing, he's doing very, very well. So that's a success story. Yes, I recognize there are stories of setbacks and failure out there, and I don't diminish what those people went through. But I admire what those people went through if they did the same thing he did, and they applied borrowed money to their intense focus and vision and then I, they're, they're winners in my eyes. Anyway, so I'll leave you with that thought from uh, my friend who, in what was supposedly the worst conceivable time to start a business, borrowed an unholy sum of money, applied it to his goal, worked his tail off for the next, well, now going on nine or 10 years, and created a business and an income and a lifestyle that so many of us who call ourselves entrepreneurs claim we dream of. And that was because he was willing to rent someone else's money and put it to work. Get your mind right about debt. I'm working on my mind. You get your mind right about debt. And that's it for this week. Talk to you soon.